I'm just going to say a prayer here. Lord, I do thank you for tonight. And Jesus, you know the cry of my heart tonight is that you would just minister to those broken places in our heart. Lord, those that are here, those that are listening online, Father, I pray that you would reveal yourself to us and that you would just help us to believe what your word says, that it's true. And that we can truly trust you no matter what. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I do want to read in the Bible study. Last week we looked at what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit, right? Controlled with the Spirit. So I want to read a story to you. And hopefully you can uh, just keep in the flow as I'm reading it. I know sometimes it's hard if you don't have it in front of you. But I'm going to read this story. It's in the Bible study. It was in the beginning of what a life in the spirit looks like. She writes, although my parents were professing Christians, the atmosphere in our home was characterized by strife, anger, and rebellion. As far back as I can remember, I experienced bouts of depression. During my early adult years, my bitterness was fueled further by disappointments and failures in relationships. When I married and had children, I found that virtually every area of my life was negatively affected by bitterness and hurt. Peace, joy, and contentment always seemed to be beyond my grasp. I struggled to cope with life and its responsibilities, and I came to a point where I was barely able to function. Some days I couldn't get out of bed at all. But because my husband held a prominent position in our church, I usually managed to make it on Sundays. I'm amazed at how pride enabled me to do that in order to maintain the appearance of being okay. Inside the walls of our home, however, I was falling apart. My children and husband bore the brunt of my angry outbursts, periodic rages, and chronic depression. As a result of my emotional instability, our children began to grow up in a home much like the one in which I had been raised. I felt hopeless. I concluded that if this is all there is to life, and it seemed it was, then I wanted out. I just didn't see any purpose for going on. My husband, who seemed to be everything I was not, stable, consistent, together, tried hard to meet my needs and help out. I began seeing a Christian psychiatrist who prescribed medication to treat the depression. And when that didn't seem to help, we tried another psychiatrist and a different medication. We went through various exercises designed to help me to get over my hurt and painful memories, but nothing seemed to help. Several months and many dollars later, God brought a revival summit team to our church. As the team ministers the simple truth of the word of God, I began to see that I was not just a victim of the people and circumstances that had hurt me, but that I was also personally responsible for the way I had chosen to respond to those hurts. For years, I had blamed my family and others for my depression and my inability to cope with life. 
But God opened my eyes to see that many of those things I had called my problems were really sins against the holy God. I had willfully violated his words through my bitterness, lack of forgiveness, and discontentment, and through my refusal to give thanks in everything. God began to show me the revolting root of self in my life. With all of its many faces, self-pity, self-introspection, self-condemnation, self-centeredness, self-defensiveness, on and on the list went. What a release it was to acknowledge that the circumstances of my past had not made me what I was. They had simply revealed the deep root of self that needed to be taken to the cross. Only then could I exchange my bitter, unforgiving self for the loving, sacrificial, forgiving life of Jesus. Most of my life, I had known I was supposed to walk in the spirit, but I had never appropriated the power of the cross, which has freed me from the dominion of self and sin. I can now testify to the reality that walking in the spirit means that by turning over the control of my life to Christ, I can experience his freedom and his power. And I want to say a hearty amen to that. A hearty amen to that. Why do I read that? Well, in Ephesians 3, verse 17 and 19, the Apostle Paul prayed for the church. And he said that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge and that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, when we have an experience like what we just heard, some of us have had an experience like we just heard. We didn't grow up in a home where Christ's love was displayed to us and we handled it in the flesh. I know that was my testimony. When my parents getting divorced at 10 years old and then my mom remarrying, I was totally angry, but it was just bitterness in my heart that was there. And I was a rebel. I rebelled, rebelled after that. And it wasn't until I was 29. I had just turned 30. And when I met Jeff, that's when the Lord started doing a healing in my heart in that area. Because I saw, I got to let this stuff go. See, if I looked at it from the world's perspective, I was a victim of my circumstances. But when I looked at it from the word of God, I could relate to what she said. I just became self-centered, self-everything, you know. So there are people sitting in the church with this testimony, with this history. And we need to know Christ's love in the way the Apostle Paul prayed for the church. But sometimes we have a wall up because we don't want to be hurt again. And what we don't realize is we have that wall up with the Lord. He's saying, I love you. And we're like, do you really? I'll never leave you or forsake you. Oh, come on, that can't be true. I mean, if my own father abandoned me and rejected me, how can I trust you're not going to do that either? 
right? I mean, there's people in the church struggling with these things. So there is a book that there's a woman, Diane, I think, knows that she worked with us at Pure Life for many, many years. And I still stay in touch with her. And one day we were talking, she said, hey, have you ever heard of this book? It's called Safe in the Father's Heart, Finding the Father's Love You Always Wanted by Sylvia Gunter. And I said, no, I never heard of her. And I never heard of the book. So I said, well, she's recommending it because she said her father had shot himself when she was a little girl. He committed suicide. He went to war and it was just too overwhelming and he wound up committing suicide. And it really left an effect on her. So now she's an adult in her probably 70s. And when she told me about this book, she said, I had such a major breakthrough. I like wept through the whole book. So that put a red flag because with the counseling center, it's like, okay, I'm always looking for other resources for women that come, that are broken, that have been in situations like we read. So this is a, just a paragraph from her book that I'm going to read. Let me just move this book out of the way. And it's all about the father, who our heavenly father is. And she writes, throughout history, there have been many misconceptions about God and his true nature. Maybe you don't have a positive association with the fact that God is father because your relationship with your earthly father is damaged or because he may have been misrepresented to you by legalistic religious leaders. You may relate to him as a righteous judge and come before his judgment bench for a review of all your failures. You may feel he's looking for reasons to zap you because you've done something wrong. Or perhaps you view him as a strong sovereign, but impersonal, remote, way up there somewhere, busy with big things like wars and famines, but not involved in the details of your life. After you've done your best, God will somehow squeeze you into his schedule to take care of the rest. Since God is so busy, messages can be left on his voice, heavenly voicemail, and he'll get back to you. I mean, that's how you, you could feel. And as a result, you may feel super responsible and worried about handling the many details and decisions of your life. So we can see how there are times where God is wanting to draw us to him. But because of the wrong view we have of him, because of maybe how our fathers treated us or were to us, we somehow transfer that. So, well, God must be that way, too. And especially if they say they're a Christian, but you don't see the fruit of the spirit in their lives because we're looking at what's a spirit filled life here. So in the following scriptures, we do see how God has loved us. In Deuteronomy 1, verse 31, it says, And in the wilderness, where you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son, in all the ways that you went until you came to this place, referring to the children of Israel, and you can think about how many times has God carried us? 
when we were in the wilderness, when we felt like, I can't take another step. I don't even know if I could do this. And yet we came through the other side and we see God has been faithful to us. He's been a good father to us. He has carried us. When we thought, no way, no way can I do this. Isaiah 43 verses 1, 4, 1 and 4 and 6 and 7. But now thus says the Lord who created you. God is your creator. He formed you in your mother's womb. This is referring to Jacob, O Jacob, Israel. And he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. Hasn't he redeemed us through the blood of the Lamb? I've called you by your name. You're mine. You're mine, he says. Since you were precious in my sight. You have been honored and I've loved you. Therefore, I will give men for you. Listen to his heart and people for your life. I will say to the north, give them up. He said to the enemy, give them up when we were in Satan's hands. And to the south, do not keep them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. And I used to laugh because when I was at Pure Life, There were people coming from all over the world there. I mean, literally from Europe, all over the world, they were coming. And I felt like this was the Lord saying, let go of them and bring them. And here we were gathered. Well, here we are in Dry Ridge, Kentucky, in this little room here. None of us are from here, right? None of us are from here. Bring them. Everyone who's called by my name, whom I created for my glory. God has created you for his glory. And I formed him. Yes, I've made him. You see his heart, the tenderness in that. This is our father. This is our heavenly father. Isaiah 49 verse 15 and 16. Can a woman forget her nursing child? And not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me, referring to Jerusalem. But reality, how much more us, we've been grafted in. Us Gentile dogs have been grafted in. And he has us inscribed in the palm of his hands. This is our heavenly father. This is what God has been speaking to me. And I know he wants to make this so real to us. And I I just, my prayer was like, Lord, do something in our hearts, the women in Lighthouse's hearts, that we believe this. And don't doubt at all who you are to us. Hebrews 13 verses 5 and 6 says, Let your conduct be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. And the... the 
translation, the original translation says, no, never, no, never, never, never leave you. That's the original. That's the intention of that scripture verse. So even though there might be some listening that you feel like your father abandoned you, you feel like you've been orphaned in a sense, God promises, I'll never, never, never leave you. I won't do to you what your dad did to you. You can trust me. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Job 10 verse 12 says, You have granted me life and favor, and your care has preserved my spirit. How many times as a heavenly father he's done that for us? He's taken such good care of us, even when we felt like, Lord, this isn't fair. Why do I have to go through this? But yet again, we come out the other side and we see, man, you were caring for my soul, for my spirit, for my emotional well-being during that time. You were bringing healing to me in areas I didn't even realize I needed healing. You were bringing deliverance in areas of my heart I didn't even realize I needed to be delivered of. You've been faithful to me, Lord. How can I doubt you? How can I doubt you? So for those that are here or anyone listening online, it would be good to meditate on scriptures like this of who our Heavenly Father truly is. And and I can see the, the book that I'm going to. It's, ti- it's a tiny little book, and the chapter's maybe one or two pages. But there's so much in it about who our Heavenly Father is. And then it's not a coincidence. I listened to, um, I was listening to some of Michael Youssef's messages, and they're all along the same lines. And these are messages he did like two years ago. And it's the same thing. And I'm like, Lord, you want this to get in us. You want this to get in your people about our Heavenly Father, who you are, how intimate, how personal you are with us, and that you can be trusted. You can be trusted. You know, because we worry about tomorrow, right? We worry about the future. But we don't have to. We really don't have to. He keeps throwing that into me. Rose, you don't have to. And he's always proven himself to me. Because I may not utter a prayer, something that's in my heart, but it's there, and that's like, it's there, and he sees it, and he knows it, and it's really like a question to the Lord, but I don't say it out loud, it's just there, you know what I'm talking about. And then my husband will come home and say something, and it's God answering it through someone else, and I'm like, all right, all right, I hear you, and you see me, and you know, you know. And you're in my tomorrow. You're in my future. So if you're already there, I don't have to, I could just rest. Rest in who you are. Like a child. Think about JJ, right? He just rests in your arms. I see that with the kids in the church, the little babies. They just rest in their parents' arms. They don't worry about nothing. They know mommy's going to feed me, you know. They know mommy's going to change my diaper. Samantha's about to find that out <laughs> very soon. So, but that's how God wants us to be with him. But we won't be that with him until he really takes the scale off of our eyes and we really start believing what we read is true for us. For us. 
Your Heavenly Father, this comes actually from the book that I'm reading, one of the chapters that I read. She says, your Heavenly Father is perfectly faithful. Think about that. Has he been perfectly faithful to you, even when you weren't faithful to him? Deuteronomy 31.8 says, And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. That's such a comfort to know that. Brenda, you saw that firsthand with moving here. He was before you guys really leading and guiding in everything, everything. And he will be with you. He promises that. He will not leave you nor forsake you so you don't have to fear nor be dismayed. Your heavenly father is a generous provider. Now, he gave us his son. What could be more generous than that to save our souls? You know what I mean? But he's been a provider to us, hasn't he? Times when we maybe thought, how am I going to make ends meet? And there you are, making ends meet. And it's like, I don't know how we're doing this. How are we doing this? Matthew 7, verse 11 Jesus said, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So true. You know, maybe our earthly dads didn't provide for us in ways that we felt they should have provided and... Maybe scripturally it was right the way uh, they should have provided. You know, sometimes you have expectations and it, it is a biblical expectation to expect your father to provide in a certain way. But if you didn't have that, it doesn't mean God's not going to provide for you. He far exceeds earthly man. He far exceeds earthly man. Jesus said, if then you being evil know how to give good gifts, right? We all give good gifts to our children. For those of us that don't have children, we give good gifts to our nieces and nephews. (laughs) How much more, our Heavenly Father? He really does good to all men, good and evil men. He does good. And we were once not on his side, and he was doing good to us. Your heavenly father is a loving and compassionate. He's loving and compassionate, your heavenly father is. John 17 verse 23 says, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. So we see that. God loves us. Just as much as he loves Jesus. Can you wrap your mind and your heart around that? Do you believe that? No. Why? Why don't you believe it? We're not worthy. I mean, we're not. But he still loves us as much as he loves Jesus. You know why? Because when he looks at us, 
He doesn't see us. He sees what his son did. And we're putting our faith and trust in what Jesus did. So he sees Jesus in place of us. That's who our Heavenly Father is. So when he calls us and says, come, you can come with confidence. You don't have to cower your head. But I haven't been good enough. He knows that. That's why Jesus had to come. He knew we'd never be good enough. But he still says, come. And if we don't believe what we're reading in Scripture, we're not going to come. If we keep comparing him to our dad or what other people have done to us in our past, we're not going to come. Because we're going to feel like he's going to hurt me in some way. He's going to do something to me. He's going to, I can't trust him. He is the most trustworthy person or being that exists. And you could put an exclamation mark after that statement. It's true. It's really true. Psalm 103, 13 tells us, As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. Do you fear him? Then he has pity on you, meaning compassion. He has compassion on you. Your heavenly father is forgiving and accepting. We see that in Psalm 103, verse 12, where it says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Do we really believe that? Or do we still bring up things we've done in our past that we are ashamed of, that we wish we had never done? Are we still bringing it up to him years later, repenting of it? Yeah. For those that aren't here, someone said sometimes, and I know there can be times that I could do that, and it's like the Holy Spirit said, you're already repenting of that. Why are you bringing it up again? (laughs) Why do you keep bringing it up? (laughs) Micah 7 verse 19 says, He will again have compassion on us and will subdue our iniquities, and you will cast all our sins into the sea of forgetfulness, into the depths of the sea. Into the Sea of Forgetfulness, the song by Helen Baylor that I love. I would sing that over and over and over, where she kept saying, I'm the one who keeps reminding you of them over and over again, but you cast them into the Sea of Forgetfulness. And Corey Temboom says, with a sign that says, No fishing allowed. <laughs> They're there, just leave them there. No fishing allowed. He forgives and accepts us. You don't have to do penance. The moment you realize, I've totally blown it, God forgive me. I forgive you. No, it's not good enough. I got to do something to prove that I really mean it. No, you don't. You said you forgive. I forgive you. I forgive you. Thank God he forgives us because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. Your heavenly father is a patient teacher. Maybe we had dads that had no patience whatsoever. That would get angry, call you stupid, or even hit you 
you know, smack you because you weren't getting it. Come on, what's wrong with you? Our Heavenly Father is not like that. Isaiah 30, verse 20 and 21 says, And though the Lord gives you the bread of affliction and the water of uh, the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yes, we do face adversities in this life. We do face afflictions in this life because we live in a fallen world with fallen people that do fallen things to us and sin against us. Yet, your teachers will not be moved into a corner anymore but your eyes shall see your teachers. And we see that where with everything we go through, God is teaching us something through it. And scripture tells us that every trial we go through, God's producing patience in us. He's teaching us how to persevere. He's producing character in us. So there's a reason. You know, he patiently, he's a patient husbandman, you know, where they pruning back, pruning back, pruning back, and sometimes you feel like, I can't be pruned anymore. <laughs> and he's like, yes, you can. <laughs> yes, you can. There's nothing left of me, I feel like. <laughs> but he's patient. Because he knows, let me just do what I'm doing. And you see the fruit that's going to come forth. You'll see the fruit. It's going to come. It's going to come. Your heavenly Father is an understanding counselor. Isaiah 9 verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. I can't wait for that. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We can go to him anytime and receive counsel from him, from his word, from other believers that are walking with the Lord, that are dependent on his word, know his word. He does give us wise counsel. I'm thankful for that about my Heavenly Father. You know, if we feel like, Lord, I got this decision to make and I really, I don't know what to do. You need to let me know what to do. I'm open. I'm open. My hands are like this to whatever, if you're you're calling me to do it. But I I need your wisdom. And then he comes and he says, don't do anything. Don't do anything. Okay. Okay. Does it make sense to me? I don't know how this is going to work, but if you're saying don't do anything, I'm going to trust you. Because I'm in the center of your will, obviously. So I can trust you because you're a good heavenly father. You lead and guide your children. (coughs) Your heavenly father is a wise communicator. James 1 verse 5, again, we see that. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. And how wonderful that is that... We have a Heavenly Father that has wisdom that no one else has. (laughs) He is altogether wise. And his word is full of so much wisdom, especially Proverbs. So much wisdom in the book of Proverbs. Biblical examples, so much wisdom studying their lives. I love looking at the lives of different men and women in the Bible. Uh, That came from years ago. we had a speaker come, David Leopold, and speak at uh, the, the ministry. And uh, 
every time he came, he just spoke about like Moses or Abraham and David. And I was just like so intrigued. I was like, man, that's how I want to study my Bible, by looking at their lives, because I just would get so much out of it. You know, just looking at the example they were and their failures, you know, but yet God still used them in their generation and did just amazing things through their lives just because they were a willing vessel. They were saying, Lord, here am I. I, I, I have fears about you using me. I mean, I think about Moses, Lord, I, me, go to Pharaoh? What? I don't, I, my, my, I slur. I don't even, I have a speech impediment. And I'm going to go talk to the greatest man on planet Earth, Pharaoh? And he said, yeah, I want you to go. I want you to go. He could have said, you know, he tried to make all different excuses. But God is so kind. He said, I'm going to send your brother with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He'll speak for you. Okay. If any of you like wisdom, just ask. I need your wisdom. I really need your wisdom, Lord. I don't know what to do in this situation. As a counselor, you're saying that a lot. As you're counseling, you're sitting there quietly and it's like, God, I need your wisdom. And it's amazing. Scriptures start dropping in your head. Just, It's amazing. He does give you wisdom, but it's his wisdom. It's coming from him. It's coming from him. James 3.17 says, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. So our Heavenly Father is a wise communicator in this way. I mean, he does communicate his wisdom to us in this way. Your heavenly Father also gives good gifts. We see that in James 1.17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Isn't that a comfort to know that he does not change with the culture? He does not change with different generations that have come and gone. He remains constant, steadfast, immovable, a rock that we could stand on, a strong tower. The name of the Lord, I think of just came to me now, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they're safe. Those that know your name, there's a scripture that says those that know your name will trust in you. And that always stands out to me. It's like, wow, there's something to knowing the name of the Lord, his names. Because the names of the Lord reveals his character, who he is, who he is. So it's good to study theology, which is studying God, studying who he is. Because the more you know him and then Experience. I mean, we all have testimonies of how we've known him in different ways in our lives through different trials we've gone through. And the more we know him, the more we trust him. We really do trust him, even though it could be falling apart. But you have peace inside. It's like, how is it that I have peace inside when everything around me is like shaking all over the place? Because you know his names. 
He's your anchor. And he's steady, she went sighed. I love that about the Lord. I mean, he gives good gifts to his children in that way. Luke 11, verse 13, it says, we know the scripture. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? I mean, maybe your earthly dad gave you a stone when you asked him for bread or something. (laughs) Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? I mean, I'm sure there's some people that have experienced that kind of reaction from their earthly dads. Or if he asks for an egg, will he give, offer him a scorpion? If you then, isn't it amazing how he, he says this a lot, Jesus, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The Holy Spirit. You're asking. He will give him to you by faith. You take it by faith, by faith, by faith. And you realize when you're asking and you take it by faith, you realize there's something different inside. There's something different inside of me. I'm not going after the things. I'm not pursuing the things I used to pursue. Things that did have dominion over my life. That I felt like I, I had no control over it. Well, each time you see you are overcoming those things in your heart, even attitudes maybe, you realize, God, you are filling that area of my heart. Because remember, to be filled is to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And if we're controlled by the Holy Spirit, we're going to love the things that God loves and will hate the things God hates. And the more you see that inside, you realize, God, you're answering my prayer. You are answering my prayer. So you keep asking until he fully does what he wants to do in your heart, where he's totally controlling every area of our lives, every area, knowing that when I ask, he's going to give. He's not going to withhold. And I don't have to twist his arm. I really don't have to twist his arm. He delights to give good gifts to his children. He delights in that. I can think some, when I was a kid, I know sometimes either my grandparents or my parents would say, if you do X, Y, and Z, we'll give you $5. So then, you know, of course I'm going to do X, Y, and Z because I want the $5, you know. But we don't have to be that way with God, you know. I mean, he was just saying, just, the reason why I'm going through these scriptures, because if we have a sight of who our Heavenly Father is, we're automatically going to want to please him. That's that's my point. We don't have to be bribed or, you know, manipulated in any way or twist arms. It's going to just flow out of you automatically when you see his heart for you. And that's why the handout, I was like, the Lord was leading me differently. And I said, you know what? We do need this because, I mean, you listen to these scriptures, you listen to this teaching. It's like your heart just melts. It melts. And when our hearts melt, 
then they're pliable and they're moldable for him to come forth in the way he wants to come forth out of our lives. So what we see there is our Heavenly Father does give good gifts to your children. Your Heavenly Father is attentive to all of your needs, not some of your needs, to all of your needs. We see that in nature, Matthew 6, verse 26. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? So why do you worry about your life? The rest of the scriptures go. I remember once we used to have a, a ministry cabin down in Grayson. And one year, it's funny, I think one year I, I went with Kathy and with Jesse, who was just us three girls were going to go. And uh, we were having our quiet time. And I decided to go for a walk in the woods. It was, it was literally in the woods. They like building cabins in woods and stuff. But I mean in woods where this, that's all there is there is trees. And it had snow and there was snow on the ground and the trees were all barren and as I'm walking all of a sudden I see a tree that has these red berries on it and I'm like man Lord you are amazing because the birds were coming and eating the red berries and I this scripture came to me I was like Lord in the midst of this freezing cold weather where there's nothing left on the trees here's this tree with these little berries on to feed the birds. And he really was ministering to me through that. It's like, why do I doubt you? This little bird thing, you take care of them. And even Jeff made a comment the other day when it was really, really cold out and he saw the birds. He's like, how do the birds handle the cold? Did you ever think of that? That they can stay out in the cold and they survive. So what's their heart like, the blood circulation like in their little bird bodies? You know? I mean, do you ever think about that stuff? The Lord wants us to meditate on these things. Do you ever notice he uses nature a lot? Why do you think he did that? He spoke his parables using nature so we would remember them when we're out and about of who our Heavenly Father is, who He is. If He takes care of those little birds, surely He will take care of you. Your Heavenly Father is strong. I mean, He's the creator of the universe. Everything we can see and what we can't see, galaxies and planets, who knows what's out there. He created all that. And yet he's personal. Isaiah 40, 26 says, lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things. Who brings out their host by number? And he calls them all by name. Have you ever meditated on that? That he knows the names of every one of the stars that are out there and things that we can't see? How much more your name? Because remember what we read, you were created for his glory. 
for his glory. He calls them all by name, by the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one is missing. And we know that's true because Hebrews tells us he upholds all things by his word. So could you imagine if he wasn't totally in control of everything and sovereign? It all spin out of control. This is our Heavenly Father. You can't wrap your mind around it for those listening online. You can't, but it's still true nonetheless. It really is. And we go through different things, right? And the Lord draws so near just to reveal to us, I see and I know what you're going through. I see and I know what you're going through. I listened to a message last night from Times Square Church. They were having three days of prayer and fasting, so I was listening to the messages. And last night, it just blew me away because (laughs) he was saying last night, the whole night was going to be focused on praying for lost loved ones and believing God 2023 was going to be the year. And then he starts talking about Abraham and Lot and how Lot pitched his tent in Sodom and he became a prisoner of war. He was taken captive, became prisoner of war, and Abraham had to round up a bunch of men to go capture his nephew and how it takes prayer. Sometimes that many people to be praying to rescue your loved ones out of Sodom. And I'm laying there and I'm saying, you're awesome. I just prayed this Sunday at church. You're awesome. Lord, you're just revealing to me, you see the burdens that we carry. You hear every spoken and unspoken prayer we pray. And we can trust you. I was blown away. I was just laying there saying, you're amazing. My Heavenly Father is strong, yet personal. He comes near like that way. Matthew 10.30 says, But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Imagine how many people are on planet Earth. How many people? And yet he knows how much hair each person has on their head. Isn't that amazing? That's how personal he is with us. And then Job 14, I've been reading through the book of Job. This stood out to me this week. For now you number my steps. You even know how many steps I take. You know, we wear these watches, right, to count our steps to make sure we get 10,000 steps a day because they tell us to get 10,000 steps a day. So, okay, how am I doing today? But he knows. He don't need the watch. He knows the numbers on our head and our steps. Yeah, yeah. Your Heavenly Father, I already touched on this, has the same love and passion he has for his son. We saw that in John 17, 23, and 26. 
I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me, and have declared to them your name, and will declare it, that the love with which you love me may be in them and I in them. And lastly here, your heavenly Father has adopted you into his family. That's the most amazing of all. So if there's anyone out there that feels like an outcast or rejected or abandoned or forsaken, your Heavenly Father, if you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and have repented of your sins and been born again, we're adopted into his family. We see that in John 1, verse 12 and 13. And this is Jesus speaking, so Jesus saying it is... There's no doubt at all. It's coming from the one who is truth. Truth. I have declared to them your name and will declare it that the love with which you love me may be in them and I in them who were not born of blood nor of the will of flesh nor of the will of man but of God. And he has given us the right to be called children of God. We are now children of God. Ephesians 1, we see that too. It's not in your scripture there. I mean, your handout, but it says, Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he has made us accepted in the Beloved. You have been accepted in the beloved, in Christ. You've been adopted into his family. And Jesus promised, I'm not going to leave you as orphans, right? We looked at those scriptures. I'm going to send you a helper. The helper helps us to live in the spirit, to walk in the spirit, to communicate with our father in the spirit. The Father's looking for those that will worship him in spirit and truth, right? So again, do you believe this is how your heavenly Father is towards you? you really believe? If you don't, it's okay. Meditate on these scriptures and ask the Lord, Lord, make this real to me. Please make it real to me. I need to know you in this way. I want to know you in this way. That's been my prayer all week. Lord, please make this so real to all of us. Just who we are in your family, in Christ, who we are. And that we would begin to live as your daughters. Not as a pauper or outcast. We're his daughters. Daughters of the king of the universe. You can't wrap your mind around it. But it's still true. It's still true. So we can see why the Apostle Paul, if you remember, he would start all his epistles. We're talking about what Christ has done for us, who the Father is, and what is our inheritance, as it were, because we are his children. And the prayers that he prayed in his epistles, 
and I'm going to repeat the prayer from Ephesians 3, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what's the width and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That is his will for all of us. So I want to close with this. This was from the book that I'm reading, um, taken from Safe in the Father's Heart, Finding the Father's Love You Always Wanted by Sylvia Gunter. And it's called The Blessing of Identity on page 40. And she writes, Be blessed to know your identity as your heavenly Father's beloved son or daughter. For the scriptures proclaim those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. From Romans 8:14. Be blessed with fully realizing the life-changing truth of the Holy Spirit living in you so that you can know you are the beloved of your heavenly Father and he is yours. And we talked about that last week where the temple of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is in us. Be blessed with his exquisite fathering and receive it as his special child. Be blessed to know his Holy Spirit is speaking to you. I just lost my spot here. Be blessed to know that his Holy Spirit is speaking to you and that you are a delight to him because of Jesus Christ, his son. Because of Jesus Christ, his son. As Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man, your heavenly father wants to bless you with growth that is mental, spiritual, emotional, and relational. Receive from your heavenly father the love and acceptance that you've been seeking. Your heavenly father's heart is passionate for your full identity as his child, based purely on relationship, not performance. Be blessed as he calls you to live fully as the son or daughter you are. You don't have to work for it. You can't earn that relationship. Be blessed with perfect love that casts out fear that you aren't enough or you don't have what it takes. Be blessed to know without a doubt that your heavenly father is extending his favor towards you. This is the time of your heavenly father's favor, a time to receive his gift to you of security in his house. Be blessed with knowing this new grace placed with your heavenly father. He wants you to receive it. Be blessed as he calls you to life, nurture, and enlargement be blessed with a rich gold mine of identity and legitimacy from which to live confidently and purposefully in God's design of you and his purpose for you it's got a purpose for you for your life while you're here on planet earth be blessed to release to be blessed to be released into the full rights of your true identity and legitimacy in your heavenly father 
In Jesus' wonderful name. You pray over that. Let God draw you. Because like I said, if this becomes our reality, we'll automatically want to walk in the spirit. We're all, and it's going to come out of a grateful heart, really. We will, I mean, if we know who he is, you think about children, they look at their parents. They want to be like their parents, right? So if we see him and if we know him, we're going to want to be like him. So we'll just automatically be in the flow of what the Holy Spirit and the Word of God tells us how to live in relationship like we looked at last week in our public worship together from Ephesians 5, 19 and 20 and our relationships with other believers in Ephesians 5, verse 21 in the marriage relationship that we looked at last week, Ephesians 5, 22 through 25 in parent-child relationships in Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 4 in the workplace, Ephesians 6, 5 through 9 and in spiritual warfare, doing warfare for people's souls in Ephesians 6, verse 10 to 18. So if we have the right view of our Heavenly Father, we will walk in the Spirit, loving others just as God in Christ has loved us. And that's why I felt like the Lord kind of changed things around and brought things into my life and just kind of put it more looking at this from this perspective of just what it means to be filled with the Spirit and with the life of the Spirit, well, it has to start as what we sang today. We have to turn our eyes towards the Father. We have to turn our eyes towards Jesus. And then everything will flow out of that. And we have to keep doing it. We keep doing it. And the life of the Spirit will come forth. So, Lord, I'm so thankful for just how you change things around all the time, Lord, by your Holy Spirit. I'm so grateful that he knows exactly what we need, when we need it, Lord, and you just lead and guide. I mean, everything that we read tonight is so true about you, Lord. You do give wisdom and you do guide us, Lord, and you are personal. And there's so many things about you that we didn't talk about tonight, Lord, but I pray that as we continue to draw near to you and spend time at your feet, that you would just continue to reveal yourself to us and help us to see ourselves as your daughters. Lord, whatever baggage we still carry from our past, God, I pray that you would bring healing, deliverance, repentance, whatever is needed on our part, Lord, so that we can walk in our identity of just and the reality of who a heavenly father is lord and help us to share that truth with others lord others that are just broken inside and and maybe they didn't have a good upbringing lord help us to share these truths with other women and even men or or children that are just need to know that you are heavenly father and your arms are wide open for adoption Lord, you just are wide open to adopt people into your family. And I love that about you. So be with us as we go home tonight. Let us ponder the things we've heard, Lord. And I do pray that you would bring the increase 
on in our lives and those that are listening online. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.